Welcome to the Worship Place Podcast. We are thankful we can worship with you and pray this message blesses your day. We look forward to seeing you in person next service. Jeremiah 37, verses 16 through 17. Thank you. It's much better. When Jeremiah was entered into the dungeon and into the cabins, and Jeremiah had remained there many days, then Zedekiah the king sent and took him out, and the king asked him secretly in his house and said, Is there any word from the Lord? Jeremiah said, There is. For for said he, Thou shalt be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. Now we know what deliverance is. But this kind of deliverance is reverse deliverance. This is where you're going the wrong way. I want to preach from the subject, a word from the Lord. Let's ask God's blessing. Precious God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for the power of your spirit. We know that you're in this place to do great and wonderful things. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Shake somebody's hand, greet them. Smile real big. Guests and visitors, you're uh, always welcome here. You're only a visitor once, and that's really not even once because by the time the service is over, we'll just treat you like we've known you all our lives. 1 Samuel chapter number 3 says, And the word of the Lord was precious, which means rare in those days. For there was no open vision. Those, uh, you know, there are days like that. And uh, there was no open vision because there were no open hearts. There was no open vision because there were no open eyes. You see, Eli, his eyes had become dim. There was no open vision because there was negligence in the house of God. The light in the tabernacle almost was at the point of going out. And so what interests me is for Samuel chapter 3 states that there was no open vision and that the word of God was rare. Only 200 short years after they had entered into the promised land. Remember, they spent 430 years in Egyptian captivity. Then they spent 40 years traveling in the wilderness. And so under Joshua, they come into the promised land. And two, 200 short years later, they've already <clears throat> developed an arm's length relationship with God. 
They had seen God through the 10 mighty plagues bring down the greatest empire in the world. They had seen God roll back the mighty waters of the Red Sea and cause them to walk across without even getting mud on the bottom of their shoes. They had seen God provide for them in the wilderness. And those of you, if you've never been to Israel, there is a stark difference. That wilderness is nothing. You might as well be looking at the Sahara Desert. Nothing growing there, nothing there, just dirt, just dirt. And mountains of dirt, valleys of dirt, hills of dirt, rocks and dirt. And out there for 40 years, uh, two or three million people were sustained by the grace and the miraculous provision of God. Do you know how much it takes to feed two or three million people? I know how much it takes to feed two or three. And so God took care of them. But uh, over the course of time, 200 short years, the reason why the word of God was rare was because true devotion to God had become rare. And if you don't contend, you're going to descend. You know, you got to fight for the faith. If you'll fight for the faith, the faith will fight for you. But if you become passive in your relationship with God and you develop a third-person relationship, I'm going to say something about a first-person relationship, third-person relationship, and an idyllic relationship with God and how all of that fits together. But the last thing you want is an arm's-length relationship with the living God. I'd rather control. Look, I'd rather fight my fears than be controlled by them. So if you're here today and you suffer from fear, maybe you have panic in the middle of the night and you, you have trouble going to sleep because you worry, you worry. I say this, put a bullseye on that fear and say in Jesus' name, it's either me or you and it's going to be you. I'd rather fight fear every day than be controlled by fear one day. Put your hands together and thank the Lord. If you don't get up, the devil won't let up. Anybody that's ever had any kind of surgical procedure, the post-operative experience is more painful than going under and getting sliced up because what they tell you to do right away, get up out that bed and start moving. You might have stitches running clear across your abdomen. They don't care about that. Get up and move. <clears throat> because if you don't get up, the pain will never let up. Hallelujah. I want to tell somebody, yes, you've been hit. Yes, maybe you've been knocked down. But if you haven't been knocked out, get up and the devil will let up. Amen. I said, get up. <clears throat> get your hands up and the devil will let up. Yeah. Turn your... Voice up, and the devil will let up. Hallelujah. Put your hands together and magnify the Lord. If you don't take hell by the gates, hell's going to climb on your roof, crawl into your basement, 
go in between the walls of your house and drive you absolutely crazy. They come back with seven more demonic than themselves to make another assault against the life of the child of God. But if you, hallelujah, as long as your house isn't empty, is any, turn to your neighbor and say, is anybody home this morning? Praise God. The devil does not want to enter into houses that are occupied with people that have faith in God, with tongue talkers, with holy rollers. Hallelujah. Come on. Is anybody home? If you're home, give the Lord a shout of praise. Come on. My voice is a little weak, but you can, your worship can be strong today. So God, so let me say this, uh, in the beginning, God presents us with a picture of the uh, idyllic man. Adam is created in the image of God. Not a lot is said about his features and his virtues and his, his, um, his physical appearance. We don't get a whole lot of that. I think we have an idea that he was somewhat like we are now, only there's maybe a measure of glory that attended him. Some theologians say perhaps he was surrounded with a veil of light. That's why they didn't know they were naked, because of the glory of God that surrounded them. But when the glory of God dissipated, then um, <clears throat> they, uh, they, they became aware that something uh, had been taken away. It's speculative. We don't know exactly if that was the case or not. But what we do know is that Adam begins as the representative man. He comes to us as the paragon of creation, the, the highest created being that in terms of, of flesh and, uh, and had, who had a body and had a visible presence. Kind of like, you know, every year or so, these car magazines will feature what they call the prototypes, you know. I mean, is there not, is there any of those prototypes that don't look cool? Some of you car buffs, I mean, the prototypes from 2000, where are they? I mean, they make the modern Maseratis and everything else look mundane. I guess it's easy to make a conceptual car to sell a magazine or to turn up people's imagination than it is to, you know, produce them on a large scale. I don't know, but those concept cars look pretty awesome. Well, I want to tell you something. If you're here today, you have to realize that God has a better vision for you than you have for you. So what happens is the devil enters into the scene. And before he's finished, he takes a archetypal representative man and then turns Adam and Eve into a third-person, arm's-length relationship with God. Do you see it? The Lord comes in the cool of the day. He says, Adam, where are you? And they said, we hid ourselves because we were afraid. Something was introduced into the relationship that pushed Adam out of his closeness, out of his relational context. And now God is a pseudo stranger to him. And he speaks to God and of God in this kind of disconnected, third person, alienated relationship. Let me tell you something though. 
no matter what the devil does, God refuses to share ownership of mankind with the devil. If you're here today and you thought you and God were like this at one time, but now you're like this and you think it'll never get back to where it was, you better call the devil a liar and you better praise God because he has a plan. Because God is not going to share you with the devil. If you don't want the devil, you don't have to put up with him in Jesus' name. Here's what I'm talking about. So the relationship that was lost in paradise would have to be regained. Watch this. What Adam and Eve were to God in paradise, they were by divine fiat. That's F-I-A-T, spelled just like the car, but not the car. Fiat means a divine decree. By divine decree, God created them by divine power, formed them, and then breathed in them, and they became by fiat, the archetypal man and, and woman. But what Adam and Eve were to God in paradise by fiat, divine fiat, God would have to regain through covenant. I hope before I get done, you appreciate the promise of God just as much as you appreciate the creative power of God. Because the next thing below God creating it out of nothing is God to take a mess and through a promise, get it all back. Hallelujah. Oh, oh. So what is a covenant? A covenant is a promise. It's a two-way promise. God makes a promise. And then man promises his part of the bargain. And by this, it's a contract. It's a two-way agreement that says, you, I'll do what I do, what I said. You do what you said. Oh, hallelujah. So, so watch this. Out of the Ur of the Chaldees, God calls a man by the name of Abram. Abram was a nobody. Abram was he came out of the world of idolatry worship. And God selected him and drew him out and said to him, I want you to look around. You're going to have your descendants will be like the stars on the sky and like the sand by the seashore. And every place your foot goes, I'm going to give it to you. Watch this. He takes Abraham from a third person relationship. And then by way of covenant, puts him into a first-person relationship. He changes his name from Abram, which means father, to Abraham, which means father of many nations. I know, maybe it's perhaps a little too theological. Let me put it this way. Circumstances may put you in a bad place. But I don't care where circumstances... But the promises of God can find you where bad circumstances have left you and bring you out and bring you in and bring you close. I want you to see this. He's in a third person relationship out of the earth of Cal. He doesn't know much of anything about God. God really doesn't know him yet. 
not in an experiential way. Then God calls and changes his name and gives him a promise, tells him he'll be a father of many nations, brings him into a first-person relationship. Now watch this. Then Abraham, by faith, becomes, regains this archetypal status where now he's the daddy of people he didn't even beget because the children of Israel are saying to Jesus, Abraham is our father. What happened? He goes from a nobody to a somebody with God to an example for all of humanity for all of time. I want to tell you something. If you'll get the word of the Lord for your life, he'll not only give you a good life, he'll give you a life that outlives you so that when they put us in a hole somewhere, tens or dozens or hundreds or maybe thousands of people will say, had it not been for that person's testimony, I wouldn't be here today. Does anybody hear what I'm talking about? That's what the devil's afraid of. He's afraid of you becoming an inspiration to others. He's afraid of you changing the world. Let me work on this just a little bit more. And so there is the possibility of gaining, regaining the status of a representative man, of a representative woman. I love that. Kind of like, I guess, let me just use a, a, a baseball analogy if I might. Perhaps when God found you, I know, I'll, let me speak of myself. I was pretty much a spectator. I appreciated the things of God. I marveled at the devotions of others. We grew up Catholic. We didn't go much. I went enough. I went enough to appreciate the nuns, believe it or not. Not like that. Shame, shame. No, I appreciated their devotion. I thought, who are these people that give themselves to this cause? And, uh, and I said, God, if I ever wanted to, if I ever served you, I want to serve you like that. No, I didn't want to become a nun. But what I wanted to do is have a dedication to God. That's it. Even though I didn't have one. I was, uh, I was, in, I was a spectator. But you just let God have its way and he'll take you from a third person spectator to a player on the field. Hallelujah. And then if you'll stay in the game, he might make you a Hall of Famer. Do you know who spiritual Hall of Famers are? They're people in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Of whom this world was not worthy. You see, if you get in the game with God, you not only you not only will you do God's work, but you'll be changed. And the next thing you'll rise above the status of just a somebody in the kingdom. You'll become somebody in the world. Oh my God. I I, I don't know. I, I, do we have any world changers here? You want to change your neighborhood. You want to change your workplace. You want to change the city. You want to change the country and the world. Watch this. Isaiah begins by saying, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He goes from being a spectator and his train. And, and he saw the angels and the train and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And then Isaiah says, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. 
And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. I feel separated from God. I feel less than good. I feel less than my best. And the angel of the Lord took a tong. Tongs and tongues go together. They almost spell the same, but you got to be careful. But they work together. Do some of us good to speak in tongues tonight. Some of you are so used to your tongue language, you can do it thinking about fried chicken after church. But you let a tongue tongue touch your tongue and you'll be some fire going on. And then the Lord said, who will go for us? And I said, here I am. You got to see this third person to first person to then a man who was going to dispense himself to a, to a fulfillment of the prophetic, to an to a archetypal man who influences the ages, right? Esther goes from being one of the harem. Hey, y'all, yo, what's up? TikTok. I don't watch TikTok. I t- eat Tic Tacs. They're much safer. Yo, man, I'm a harem girl. She Really, she went from just being one of the girls until the moment came to step into the arena. And, she, and her, thank God for, everybody needs a Mordecai in their life. Everybody needs somebody to look you in the eye and say, you're better than this. Now, if you think that you're going to get by with acting like you don't know what's going on, you're only fooling yourself, and you're going to jeopardize the entire country. But if you'll step in the ring and go before the king and appeal for your people, you might put a stop to Haman's wicked plan to kill and commit genocide to the whole race of the Hebrew people. And finally, you know the story. Esther says, if I perish, I perish. And she goes uninvited into the throne room of the king. Oh, if a little girl, a little, a little, a little lonely girl, Jewish girl all by herself in a pagan empire would go into the throne room uninvited, how much more boldly should we come before the throne of grace that we might find grace to help in the time of need? This is not the time to hold back. We won't make a difference if we hold back. We won't change anything if we hold back. We, this world will just look at us and just shrug us off if we hold back. But if we'll step in there and say, yes, I perish, I perish. If it kills me, we're going to have revival. You got to see this. She goes from one of the harem girls to a first person relationship where she enters into the ring with the king. And then ultimately becomes archetypal in this sense. She becomes the queen of queens. Who is the, beside the church, the next queen of queens in the Bible is Esther. She saves a nation. Oh. So I want to offer you something that you've heard before. One of our president, I think it was Roosevelt, and I quote, I think it was called get in the ring or get in the game or something. 
He said this, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong, how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, great devotions, who spends himself on a worthy cause, who at the best knows the end, the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. And this is what the Holy Ghost told me to tell you after I read that. Get out of limbo land! Get in the ring! Step up to the plate! Make a difference, Paul! Oh, hallelujah! Hallelujah. So which brings me to my yelling match. My son had a, uh, uh, an outpatient surgical little procedure that required him to not be able to walk his dog, so he had to be kind of couch-ridden for a few days. So he asked me if I could walk his dog for him. So sure, I mean, how hard is that? It's a good dog, well-behaved dog. Doesn't even get tangled in the poles. If he steps up to a post, he knows which side to stand on. So you don't have to do this. Well-trained animal. Oh, walking. And as we're walking through his little neighborhood, all of a sudden, I'm holding the little, the little you know, leash mechanism. And I thought, you know, what would I do if a, if a cagey, mean, vicious dog just charged us out of nowhere. I said, well, the only weapon I really have with me is this. Suppose I could smack him up a few times. <laughs> Within five minutes, the sun is setting. Night shadows are long on the horizon. Street lights haven't come on yet. Getting dark. All of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye comes charging. For the lack of a better word, a Saint Bernard. <laughs> of all the dogs that could have run out of nowhere, did it have to be one of the biggest dogs on planet Earth? And did it have to be attended to by a timid little teenage girl who when it took off and out of her hands, it was actually like your parents' dog. Now, that one would come and lick you to death. This one, oh, Jordan said that he's so mean that the garage where they live, if he hears you walk by, he smacks his head against the garage door, and there's dents protruding out of the garage door where the maniacal dog came and charged me and my son's dog in the middle of the street. And the, and the attendant, she just goes like this. Look, when all hell is breaking loose, don't just stand there and act stupid. It's your dog. 
She don't even run after it. She just sits on the grass and watches the whole show. So here he comes, long hair. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He got above here, here, me to here, right here. I said, all of a sudden, I said, you better do something. You better do something quick. If he jumps on you, he's going to knock you down. And I said, stop. And he goes, whoa. I said, stop. It resounded through the neighborhood. And he just froze right there. And we're just locked in mortal combat. And the girls over there like this. I said, would you come and get your dog? And so we escaped the ordeal. Hands and arms, dog legs intact. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got bit. Thank God. But as she was walking off, I said, had it been a timid soul lady, had they tried to run from this animal, somebody could have got hurt bad. You better put a bigger leash on that thing or you better grow some muscles. I said that to say this. I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking about moving from the third person to the first person. Everything I thought about being attacked by a dog was purely theoretical. Until it came out of nowhere that all of a sudden I'm in it now. Somebody, you gotta quit this. I come to church to hear. I come to be entertained. I come to get a good message. You got a good idea today, preacher, for me. They're good song singers and make you feel good. Come on, somebody, it's time to get in. It's time to jump in. It's time to be a part of it. It's time to fight and win. Oh, come on, lift your hands and magnify the Lord right now in Jesus' name. <clears throat> and so I'm going to bring the message to a close with this, just to treat the text before we go. Zedekiah, the last of the kings of Judah, saw the rumblings of the invasion on the horizon. He had made a, he thought he had made a deal with Egypt to come to his rescue should he be attacked by the Babylonians. But I guess he didn't realize you don't make a deal with the world. Because if you make, if you expect the world to help you out, just in case living for God lets you down, they'll stab you right in the back. Amen. You got to reach the place where your only option is God and nothing else. But you see, Zedekiah made a deal with Egypt. He said, just as long as there was the slightest chance that Egypt might come and liberate them from the Babylonians that are gathering around, he was going to keep the prophet in prison. He was going to lock down the word of God. He was going to. But then when it came apparent that the Babylonians backed off only long enough to chase the Egyptians away, and now they're coming back for another second attack, he brings the prophet out of jail and he says, Jeremiah, is there any word from the Lord? You heard what he said. Basically, yeah, too late. You're going to lose. You might as well surrender. God's not with you in this one, buddy. I 
I thank God that most of the time that's not what you get when you ask, is there a word from the Lord? So I want to say to someone, if you're a backslider, there is a word from the Lord. Return. You hear me? Return. You don't have to fix everything you messed up. You can't fix everything you messed up. But you can return. Is there a word for the careless and the prayerless? Yes, there is. Renew. For we are saved by the washing of regeneration and the renewal. When you look around this church and you see people that have been here a long time and it looks like they got their act together, you want, and, and it looks like they never make mistakes, you couldn't be more wrong in all your life. Do you know the secret to the people that hang out here a long time and become something for God? They know how to repent and they know how to be renewed. That's all. That's the only difference. So you can be anything in the kingdom of God if you learn how to repent and to be renewed. And if there's a prodigal son in the house or daughter, there's a word for you. Come home. Sometimes the word from the Lord is the word that comes out of you to you. Yeah, isn't that what happened in the prodigal's life? He's in the pig pit, feeding the pigs, wanting to eat pig's food, and he came to himself and he said, I'm sitting here starving to death and my father's servants have food to spare. I know. I'm going home. I'm going to tell my daddy. I've sinned. Listen to him. He's got a word. The word for the Lord. It's him talking to him. Hey, if you don't abide, if you don't obey the word from you to you, how are you going to expect to get any more instructions from God to you? Listen to what you are telling you. I need to pray more. I need to be more faithful in my walk with God. I need to forgive that person. Oh, uh oh, there we go. That's where it all stops me. Someone switched the train. I was on this track. As long as Zedekiah had one hope that help could come from outside God's domain, he locked down on the word. When it was time for a word now, the only word was basically, you've lost the battle. You're not going to survive this one. And in the next chapter, it's funny, chapter 37, or 38 rather, after they put Jeremiah back in on a worse prison, put him in the muck and the mire, some say in a latrine, and finally word came to Zedekiah, if we don't get the prophet out of there, he's going to die. So they took old rags and ropes and made a harness for him and pulled him out. And Zedekiah brought him to his house and he says, you heard anything? Anything change? Let me tell you something. You're not going to get God to speak favorably to you if you mistreat him. Zedekiah said, no, nothing's changed. And don't try to get away from Babylon because if you do, they're going to find you. And then Jeremiah asked him, 
why, did you, why didn't you listen to me? Look at what verse 19. Zedekiah the king said to Jeremiah, I'm afraid of the Jews. I'm afraid of the Jews that went over onto the side of the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hands and they mock me. The king was afraid of being made fun of. Good thing he's not living in 2023. Many a person will literally be laughed into hell because they didn't want people to think something about them or say something about them or do something to them because of their faith. Let me tell you something. If you, there will be a lot of people that will be laughed into hell. But no, when I read my Bible from cover to cover, ain't nobody going to be laughed out of hell. So you need to quit worrying about what other people think, what other people say, what other people do. And you, is there a word from the Lord for me? Yes, there's a word from the Lord. And that is, get rid of the arm length relationship and get close to God. And know him in the fellowship of his sufferings and in the power of his resurrection. And he can take your life and change the lives of others. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power. Boy, I feel this strange compulsion. Okay, so if you have a word from you to you, if you know what you need to do, you don't even need any more clarity. You know what. I want you to step out from where you are. Come up here. The, the prodigal son didn't, couldn't figure out how this was all going to happen. He just knew, I need to go home to father's house, and I need to tell him I've sinned. Hallelujah. Guess what? God took care of the rest. That was the easy part. God took care of the hard part. Restoration. Renumeration. Hallelujah. Holy Ghost power. Come on, lift your hands right now, everybody. There's room in this altar. Surely, surely there's something you know you need to do that, that you haven't done yet. Come on.